calling all podcasters, musicians, vloggers, and reporters, and everyone else who wants crystal clear recording that's super portable. The Shure Motive family of microphones makes studio quality audio that's as simple as plug and play. Many of the world's top podcasters rely on Shure, and with a Motive line of iOS and USB microphones, portability is now your friend. Imagine being able to get great audio quickly and easily from your phone, tablet, or computer. Simply visit shure.com slash motive to start getting great audio for your content now. That's S-H-U-R-E dot com forward slash M-O-T-I-V. And welcome. I hope everybody's trying to enjoy their Labor Day up here in northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin, but most of the Midwest. The rain and the thunderstorms just keep on dumping. I've been hearing from a lot of people that the 115th is a washout. Did nothing but rain all weekend. That sucks. Especially for those coming uh, cross country up to that uh, event. But today is how the mainstream media likes to report all kinds of bullshit about uh, the motorcycle club community. And it's talking about an ex-old lady. From the Banditos MC. Now it seems like she's actually writing the piece. Well the way it's worded and all that stuff. But look how these people love portraying one percenters. <laughs> and you wonder why we do not trust the media whatsoever. So being a female I can only describe what it's like being in a one percenter culture. But not the actual club. Members must be men. But make mo no mistake, women who are the wives or girlfriend of these men still spend a great deal of time around club members doing club stuff. My ex was a member of the Banditos for several years. I found that the illusion of being in a biker gang... Now this is one that supposedly that was in the club saying this, biker gang... And the reality of being in a biker gang were very different. Over the years, people in the one percenter world would tell me their stories of how they ended up being a bandit or a PBOL, proud bandito old lady. And I would see some distinct patterns in the lives of people drawn to the outlaw biker lifestyle. So now she's an expert here. The outlaw biker women are very much second-class citizens in that testosterone-driven life. Everyone knows that. But what surprised me was these women still tended to be more loyal and devoted to the spirit of the Brotherhood than most of the men who were actually in it. Woo, that's a big statement to make right there. Outlaw biker clubs are a one-stop shop when you're looking for things in life geared towards stroking your own ego. Well, looks like some old lady got pissed off. There's the thrill that comes when one flirts with danger. There's the adrenaline rush of being affiliated with something notorious and known worldwide like the Banditos, Hells Angels, Outlaws, etc. There's the cat and mouse game you play with every cop around. Every time a news story runs about law enforcement mobilizing in preparation for a visit from the club... You can't help but feel like a movie star. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you can, you old lady. Uh, whatever, I ain't gonna go there right now. There's the satisfaction of being either respected by citizens or feared by them. Both reactions are equally acceptable. People wish they were you and never will be. And most common attraction to the life, a bond almost stronger than that of blood and a dedication to each other's lives that most people will never understand. 
Your problem is everyone else's problem, and theirs are yours. These clubs are not democratic organizations, ruled by many for the good of all. Well, last time I checked, one percenters have their own bylaws, constitutions, vote on every damn thing there is. But hey, that's not democratic to her. They are run by firm. They are run firmly by men who usually clawed their way to the top of this primal food chain. And considering the general savagery of the ordinary member, that's impressive. You see where they are going with this right now? They are really making one percenters and club members to be out. <laughs> they're ja they're taking their jabs at them right now because they want to sell a story. That's what the mainstream media does. They skew the facts so they just sell a damn story. Private agenda and cutthroat politics are the typical motivations that see these men to the top and what keep them in power. Many men and women enter this lifestyle thinking that every member in it lives by creed of love, loyalty, and respect between every brother. The club is huge, and every member and his family bring with it different values, different expectations, and invariable people clash. A misunderstanding gets magnified by these impossible expectations, and the ensuing disappointment is almost crushing to so many of these people. It's rather common for a large percentage of patched men to be out of the lifestyle within five years' time of their patching out. The lifestyle is expensive and time-consuming, depending on where your old man is in the hierarchy. You can either find it somewhat of a steady sort of a hobby, so now it's a hobby, or your life can be immersed daily in the club stuff. Hobby members never last long, so if you manage to stay in it long enough, it consumes every part of your life. Outsiders called citizens... Once close friends will fade away. Their secrecy of all things club-related often makes citizens feel somewhat insulted by their exclusion. Oh my god, they're trying to read this like a fucking novel. Are you kidding me? Anyway. It's a very specific kind of lifestyle that can only work for certain personality types. So now they're grouping everybody into personality types. You know, me and that psychiatrist, psychology bullshit. Men must be able to follow without question, trust without proof, and be someone people can depend on. It attracts a certain amount of men who generally, genuinely dislike women. Huh. Really? A lot of us uh, bikers and a lot of us that were in MCs love women, man. That's why, you know, a lot of people got into that shit besides brotherhood and stuff. They like partying. They love women. They loved everything about them. Loved the way they smell, the way they look, the way they feel. Yeah, a lot of people love women. But those members rarely make it through the prospecting period. Should they manage to hide this fact long enough to get their patch, the patchitis, otherwise known as the arrogance a newly patched member gets that irritates everyone within a mile of him, renders him unable to hide his mommy issues. And he is tossed out quickly. Man, this broad... You know what? Talk about a rebel scorn, guys. This motherfucker has got scorn, this bitch. It's complicated when it comes to the girls, but I've never witnessed men who ain't women ever allowed to stay in. Women must be outwardly submissive, be thick-skinned and about sexist attitudes and be able to get along reasonably well with other women. The women thrown together regularly bound by the same rules, and who share a common interest, have their own sort of club. It's taboo to suggest this to any member of the club, but that is the very definition of a club. Riding with the boys. That was <laughs> unreal. <laughs> this broad, oh my god. The women control nothing about her affiliations, though you spend a great deal of time with other women you may or may not find interesting. Gathering in places that the guys picked out, usually without considering any of the females thought on the matter. 
Strip clubs and dive bars were common watering holes. <laughs> well, what the fuck else is there, man? It's a party. Uh, you know what? I know what it is. This broad got dumped and she's pissed off. That's what it is, let me tell you. PBOLs have basic rules that they must live by to get by. She never disrespects a patch holder in public, including her own own man. She's the eyes and ears for the club, and lives in a precarious place between what she should know about and what she shouldn't know about. It really isn't all that hard to understand the attraction for most men. After all, boys will be boys. The women, however, are far more complicated and interesting, in my opinion. Very few of them actually resemble the media's stereotypical outlaw biker chick. You know, this is why I always tell people when they write in about old ladies and shit, keep them out of the fucking loop. Don't open your mouths because women tend to have fucking big mouths, man. And they have caused problems throughout the history of the motorcycle club scene. Wars have been started over bitches. And you know what? You're seeing why. On the surface, they seem to hold no sway over their lives. Yet they also tend to be most common reason for the male members ending up in jail. Well, damn, she got that right. While it can be frightening to break up with a member of the Banditos, the statistics show it should be equally scary for a Bandito to break up with a PBOL. <laughs> You're giving yourself too much credit there, <laughs> broad. Scorching the urch and poisoning the wells is a very women thing to do. Well, no shit. That's why you kept it the back. And PBOLs are still very much women. PBOLs can stir up strife between members. Oh, they do that good, do they? Chase off girlfriends, wives, or of other brothers, and quietly impact the club in ways only the most observant will notice. Yeah, it has changed, let me tell you. And when I was coming up, <laughs> a broad just shut their fucking mouth, didn't say nothing, and a man used to make sure of that. Nowadays... Now, you got fucking club members, you know what, hanging on and sucking on tits still. Being told what to do, and they wonder why they're a bunch of fucking morons. Anyway, every woman goes in, knows that every part of her club affiliation is on loan to her by her bandito. PBOL patches and clothes included. And he can take it all away whenever he pleases. But knowing this and actually experiencing it are much different, as so many of us would find out. There's really no good way to explain how much harder it is to break up with the club than it is to lose just one man. In a split second, everything and everyone is simply gone. Friendships that once felt so loyal, strong, and enduring are simply over. And the silence is deafening. Some of these women will find another member of the club to hook up with, choosing to find a way back into the culture they love. Others walk away bitter and angry, hmm, sounds like this one, at the betrayal of not only her old man, but an ocean of people you thought were friends. I loved my husband and he loved being a bandito. I set aside my natural instinct to demand respect and compromise my, with myself in order to make him look good. Well, that's the thing. You're an old lady. What the fuck kind of respect do you need? Anyway, I carved out my own niche, and for the most part, was able to preserve some of my self-respect. But when he was gone, so were my reasons to conform the things I found ridiculous. Well, now you did, but it wasn't ridiculous when you were doing it. I bet you enjoyed all the partying. I bet you enjoyed the security from the prospects and, you know, making yourself feel important. Yeah, I bet that's what you miss. Finally, <laughs> I decided to leave it all behind. Too much about me had changed and I was never going to fit in again. Better to part ways now. See ya! I'm a writer, and it is often rumored I will someday write a tell-all book about my time with the Banditos. Well, I'm sure that would be coming. I won't. If I were to write on the subject, I would write about the women instead. 
They surprise me so many times with their resilience, patience, and sacrifice. They are soon to be morally bankrupt and unintelligent, selling themselves into a life of slavery to a club. Frankly, I never met a single woman that fits this stereotype in the decade I was in. Instead, I saw many PBOL wield her sort of power by simply influencing her, her own man. See, these little suckers, they're, they're little busybodies behind your back. That's why it's important for clubs to make sure women know their damn place in the clubs. Or you're going to have some fucking issues, man. Like I said, wars have been started over women. And it's not that I'm against women. Because I'm not. But they had their place in the club scene. It's a man's world. Plain and simple. You know, it's not about being slaves or any of that bullshit. See, before all this progressive ideology bullshit that the society's been pushing, it used to be the natural order that the men was ahead of the household. Not the opposite way around. And things were much better when people actually conformed to those ideals, you didn't have all this bullshit going on, not only in the biker world, but in America in general. Look how freaking terrible it's become in this country. And it's because ideals that we once held sacred are being turned upside down by these progressive liberal freaking social Marxists. That's the problem here. It's not about being slaves or any about that bullshit. Not like this fucking cunt's talking about. No, an old lady was respected, but hey. We didn't want to hear the fucking advice. They're women. You know, women can afford to be freaking careless. Men can't, especially in the club scene when you're on the street. And this is why a lot of freaking clubs have problems. Because of what you just heard, this broad stay. They sit there and try to manipulate the man. Well, nowadays it's pretty easy to manipulate a guy because most guys don't have any balls on them anymore. So, that's just my two cents. And let me finish this off here. And you're really going to like uh, what I say uh, after reading this shit. So, instead I saw many PBOL wield her own sort of power. We already went against that, right? So, she finishes up by saying, If you ask me, it is the PBOLs who are the real outlaw bikers. So, to her, it's the women who are the real, <laughs> real outlaw bikers. Not the ones that have to, you know, deal with the freaking fighting or have to watch their back. No, it's the women who are the outlaw bikers. They made the club as big as it did. <laughs> you know what? She is full of freaking shit. Unreal. This kind of article is what really puts people against the mainstream media. Because it's full of bullshit and it's always opinionated and there's never any freaking facts. So... That's the media part. <laughs> My God, was that a bullshit article. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Bachari. Now, two days a week. Tuesdays and Saturdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Listen and download all episodes for free on HarleyBikerNews.com. Or the show is available on all major podcasting platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari. Hop on over and check out our new YouTube channel where you can hear Motorcycle Madhouse and watch the Biker Angle. You can look up the new channel by going to our website, HarleyLiberty.com, or Insane Throttle Biker News in the YouTube channel search bar. Don't forget to have that prospect hit the subscribe button. And that bell in the upper right hand corner so you will always be up to date with the new channel content. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Machi Curry. Yep, yep. Good to yep. go. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. 
Now let's take this show to the next level with our up and coming band segment. Remember, you can listen and download all episodes for free on HarleyBikerNews.com or available on all major podcasting platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Now that you broke 
Hello, Fat Daddy Rabbit here from Wild Hogs, Easy Riders, Live to Ride, and Grumpy Old Bikers on Facebook. We are proud sponsors of Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse. Visit to them every Tuesday and Saturday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on iHeartRadio and all major podcasting platforms. Yes, sir, that's what I'm talking about. Peace. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. Mouth all glued up with honey juice. I asked you a question. It's time for the adventures of Butterball. A biker so fat that when he jumps on a scale, it says to be continued. We now give you the man that makes every motorcycle say, "Oh shit!" when he comes walking towards them. This is the adventures of Butterball. And that's so you heard by shoot. Now. For everyone's favorite part of the program, we're going to drop in on the adventures of Butterball. Seems poor guy lost his job over at the bookstore and now he's forced to work in a muffin store. So one of his fans call in and are asking about him and how he's doing and it upsets his co-workers. Better watch out, Butterball. If your fans keep on calling in, it's going to cost you another job. Good afternoon, Paradise. Hi, is uh, the Fat Muffin Man there? Excuse me? Yes, Fat Muffin Man, is he in? Fat Muffin Man? Yeah. Well, hopefully that's not me. I'm the biggest one here. Well, you, do you need muffins? Is this for a takeout? Actually, yes. What sort of muffins? Do you have blueberry? I, ha- I have blueberry muffins, cranberry muffins, everything. Oh, no, 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 please. I don't want cranberry. Uh, the blueberry now, are they stuffed nice and like all jammed up with that blueberry? It's... it's Tons of blueberries, sir. Would you, would you like some? Yes. Uh, how many grams of fat do you think are in one of these muffins? I, I'm not sure, sir. How is he it's anyway? It's just a muffin, sir. How is he anyway? That, Excuse me? That, how is that big muffin-ass bastard? How's he doing? Good? Oh, I, um... He's a good uh, fr- Would you like a delivery, sir? I, I'd like to come in and see my friend. I'm, you know, he's a good buddy of mine. Well, would you like our address, sir? I would like... And you could come in here? It's uh, 444 West 43rd Street. What the fuck kind of comment is that? I didn't say anything to deserve that, sir. Hey, hey. No, no, okay, that's... Okay, well, I, if you're going to be rude, well, sir, no, I, I no, know, I mean, that's... if you want to take it up with yeah, the manager, you can. I, I don't well, understand. listen to me. I'm only asking about muffins, and you started to shout at me and yell about numbers. I wasn't looking for anything along those lines. Okay, well, uh, we can't... Please, uh, hello? Bing bong. <whistles> Goodbye, sir. Right. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of Motorcycle Madhouse and the Biker Angle over on YouTube. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Or come on over to the Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel for the Biker Angle, hosted by myself. Valorous Throttle and Valorous Fitness Custom Clothing Line is bringing the motorcycle and fitness culture together. Be heard and stand out in the crowd with our custom apparel and clothing. If we don't have what you're looking for, we'll bring your ideals to life. We're also proud sponsors of Motorcycle Madhouse on Insane Throttle. Check us out on www.outoftheboxclothingandproductsllc.com. We have great feedback, and we'll do our best to keep it that way. Hey, riders. This is Little Brother Trucker from Storm Kicker, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our tunes? Head on over to stormkicker.com. And don't forget, ride on. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. Once upon a time, a prince asked a beautiful princess, Will you marry me? The princess said no. And the prince lived happily ever after. And he rode motorcycles and fucked skinny, big-titted broads and hunted and fished whenever the fuck he wanted and went to naked bars and dated women half his age and drank whiskey, beer, and Captain Morgan and snorted cocaine off strippers' asses and never heard bitching and never paid child support or alimony and ate pussies and ass-fuck cheerleaders and kept his house and guns and never got cheated on while he was at work and all his friends and family thought he was fucking cool as hell and he had tons of money in the bank 
and he let the toilet seat up. The story of any happiness would be right there <laughs> for any man. Uh, but anyway, welcome back. And right now, I'm going to be talking about the sin of allowing law enforcement into your club. Now, last, uh, I think it was two episodes ago, I talked and debated with a member of uh, Corrections who was in a law enforcement club, and he wanted to know why we kept on painting him with uh, broad strokes since he didn't have arrest powers, and not all EI or LEMCs are the same, blah, blah, blah. So, I got a question off of uh, YouTube as many of you know, I do the Morning Biker News over on YouTube through a program called Biker Angle. You know, I also do those live sessions, guys, every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you have a chance, come on over to subscribe to the channel and check it out. So, after doing that episode, I received a comment on the video because Madhouse is cross-posted. So, the question was, first, I like to say I enjoy your content. I was in a LEMC. Now I ride independent. You say bikers don't want to be stereotyped, neither do the police who choose to be in an MC. If someone doesn't stop it, it will never stop. Well, that ain't going to happen on our end, but okay, anyway, keep on going here. Of course, an LEMC can ask a dominant for permission. <laughs> well, yeah, duh, but they never do. But anyway, one, two, or three piece. Who cares? Why can't everyone just ride? I. So, it seems as though I didn't answer the question people have good enough. Even though I spent 45 minutes going back and forth debating this dude. No worries. Let me see if I can give some better answers right now. As you've seen in the previous episodes, I laid out <laughs> this big-ass freaking study on why law enforcement and bikers don't get along. Now, let me go over this study right now. And you'll know why we don't get along and there's always been a line in the sand that neither would cross. It's because, quite frankly, cops are bred with this kind of thinking from the day they get into the academy. And it's pretty hard for cops to put that aside once it's bred into their brains. So, this is what you should expect from law enforcement and anybody who thinks about taking them into your MC. Now, the study's titled Outlaw Motorcycle Gangs Aspects of the One Percenter Culture for Emergency Department Personnel to Consider. And here's an abstract of it, really. It says... Outlaw motorcycle gangs are an iconic element of the criminal landscape in the United States, the country of their origin. Members of OMGs may present to the emergency department as a result of motorcycle vehicle accidents or interpersonal violence. When one member of an OMG is injured, other members and associates are likely to arrive in the ED to support the injured member. The literature for ED personnel lacks an overview of the culture of ORMGs, a culture that promotes the display of unique symbols and that holds certain paraphernalia as integral to an outlaw biker's identity and pride. The objective of this manuscript is to discuss various aspects of the culture of OMGs so that ED personnel may better understand the mentality of an outlaw biker. Knowledge of their symbols, values, and hierarchy can be crucial to maintain an order in the ED when an injured outlaw biker presents to the ED. We use standard search engines to obtain reports from law enforcement agencies and studies in academic journals on OMGs. We present the observations of one author who has conducted 
ethnographic research on outlaw bikers since the 1980s. So, already you're seeing the way their minds are being molded, if you will. And people wonder why there's a line between us. Always has been. And there always should be. But of course, nowadays, that isn't the freaking case. Now is it, guys? You got freaking... (laughs) It's unreal. You got guys like Lollipop or some of these others out there who purposely go out there to try to get cops as members of their club. And there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is these kind of guys have started so much shit in the motorcycle club scene, they need cops for protection. That's what straight up it is, man. So let's keep on going. You know, I'm not going to get off on a tangent here. Uh, Let's keep this... uh, segment moving here it says introduction the emergency department they call it the ed of course is at particular high risk for violence against healthcare workers now last time i checked i don't think any outlaw biker or any biker would give any emergency personnel any kind of fucking trouble especially when it has to do with their lives now that's fucking right there as moronic to even put that shit <laughs> out there But hey, it's their story, let them tell it. The arrival of an injured gang member, see there, it's a gang member to them, should cause ED personnel to become more vigilant for violent outbursts. The gang threat assessment published by the National Gang Intelligence Center in November of 2011 indicates that there are an estimated 1.4 million active street prison and outlaw motorcycle gang members in more than 33,000 gangs operating in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. Outlaw motorcycle gangs are an iconic element of the criminal landscape, like it said above. So, already, they're putting outlaw bikers in there with street gangs. And they're putting most motorcycle clubs in street gang type of form. So, keep that noted in your head. Outlaw bikers refer to their organizations as 1% motorcycle clubs rather than gangs. The term 1% originated from a statement made by the AMA in response to a motorcycle rally held in 1947 in Hollister that turned violent. Now, they need to get their fucking straight... Oh, man, that fucking got me all muffled right there. They need to get their facts straight... About the Hollister freaking shit. Violent my ass. The AMA stated 99% of motorcycling public are law-abiding. There are 1% who are not. Thus the 1%er patch is worn only by clubs immersed in criminality and large enough to defend the claim to be the baddest of the bad against all. My God. Talking about fiction. Let's go. Let's keep going here. Criminal hierarchy, Quinn and Forsyth divide 1%er clubs into four categories. Support clubs, which have minor to moderate involvement with criminal activity and maintain a relationship with a larger 1% club for protection and to bolster their reputations. <laughs> so that's what support clubs are, guys, to you know these cops that are being taught in the academies. Satellite clubs which are created and controlled by members of the larger 1%er clubs and serve as sources of recruits to the larger clubs. Member of a satellite club perform tasks related to criminal activity of the larger club. My God. Okay. Regional clubs, which have a limited membership and territory. These groups usually have some links to larger 1%er clubs and may or may not claim 1%er status. Finally, the larger 1%er clubs. Examples are Hells Angels, Mongols, Outlaws, Pagans, Sons of Silence are at the top of the criminal hierarchy in the world of the outlaw biker and determine much of its dynamics. Inter-club relations are complex. Inter-club affiliations may reflect a temporary alliance, primarily among larger clubs. 
or a partial surrender of a small local club to a larger international club. While many regional clubs have surrendered their 1% logos, these clubs retain the aggressiveness, impulsivity, and intense personal loyalties that typify the culture of the outlaw biker. Satellite clubs provide an expendable criminal labor force for the larger clubs and serve as proving grounds for members who want to join large international clubs. Furthermore, OMGs are almost entirely white in the U.S., with the exception of the largely Chicano Mongols MC, many outlaw bikers are racist and there are strong links between the respective cultures of outlaw bikers and white supremacists. So, you see what they're doing? They're putting bikers and also white supremacists in the same groups. Black OMGs exist, but these groups operate within a different type of setting and have their own symbols and values. OMGs composed of African-American or mixed-race motorcycle clubs are less extreme in their entrepreneurialism and organization compared to OMGs composed of white members and do not use the internet as much as white OMGs do. Most black OMGs are local or regional rather than national or global in their reach and are usually encountered on the east and west coasts of the U.S., Many, but not all, black OMGs have a color scheme. For example, the California-based Chosen Few MC use red and white, but the Pennsylvania East Coast-based Wheels of Soul do not appear to have a color scheme. These are the most powerful and widely known among the black OMGs. Black OMGs often use slogans, symbols, and even names of white OMGs. For example, a white OMG based in Canada in upstate New York that is loosely affiliated with the Outlaws MC also bears the name Chosen Few MC. Sports bikes are often used among members of black OMGs, but sport bikes are an anathem to most white OMGs. While members of white OMGs in the U.S. are required to have Harley-Davidson motorcycles, the use of Harley-Davidson motorcycles varies among black OMGs. Although black OMGs are repressed by most white OMGs, affiliations between these groups do exist. For example, the Baltimore-based Thunderbirds MC answers to the Pagans MC. My God, this shit's full of crap. But Okay, it's their story. Let's keep on letting them tell it. The Hells Angels, Banditos, Mongols, Outlaws, Sons of Silence, and Pagans are the most powerful OMGs. Statistics regarding membership for these clubs can be found at the Justice Department Criminal Gangs Unit. ED personnel should be aware of which OMGs are active in their state of practice. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and the Rocky Mountain Information Network lists which OMGs are active in each state. Because such national data are often out of date and may neglect smaller clubs, they should be supplemented with information from local authorities or the club's own websites. Some of these websites provide information about smaller clubs affiliated with the larger club. However, not all clubs will have such sites. Now, they go on to talk about gang and insignia. Patches and tattoos reflect the sect like symbolism of gang subculture, and can provide information about a gang member's social history, such as past incarcerations, drug use, and allegiance to the gang. Central to the entire of, uh, let's see here, <laughs> central to the attire of outlaw bikers is the sleeveless and collarless <laughs> jacket that identifies the specific club to which the biker belongs. These jackets, referred to as colors, are made from leather or denim. The patches or rockers that indicate full membership to an OMG are embroidered on a biker's colors and are regarded with great reference by members and club's affiliates. The back of the biker's colors typically has a top rocker, which bears the club name, a center patch, with, which bears the club's logo, and a bottom rocker, which indicates the location of the chapter of the club. To which the biker belongs. <laughs> oh my god. This shit, you know what? It just goes on and freaking on, man. 
And you're, you really wonder why regular motorcycle clubs don't want cops around them. Really? You know, let's talk about the Alliance of Confederation of Clubs because this is this new bullshit that all these cop clubs formed and the reason why it was formed, and let's take it straight from their freaking website. It was formed as an antithesis to the traditional confederation of clubs to provide networking, support, intelligence sharing, and solidarity among like-minded law-abiding motorcycle clubs. The Alliance recognizes only the legitimate rule of law as a limiting factor in all aspects of their existence. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. So, Association of Law-Abiding Clubs. When we visited their page, we listened to some god-awful podcasts, time in my life, unfortunately, I'll never get back, and seen videos about their philosophy. To be blunt... This organization is a knockoff, a knockoff of the fucking, uh, what's that called, uh, the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police. That's basically all they freaking are. And, you know, they claim the difference between them and one percenters is not on the visual surface. It is only found below the surface in the less tangible but much more important aspect of a motorcycle club. Things like structure, function, philosophy, all reflected in the behaviors of the members who were there because they wanted to enjoy the motorcycling brotherhood. But they're not like us. <laughs> so... My question is, why the hell do you walk around looking like us then if you don't like us? Why is it you disagree with so many of the things that not only one percenters stand for, but most, all, legitimate three-piece clubs? You bash these clubs that you disagree with, but you still want to prance around emulating the clubs and... Their own fucking website states that. Really. Jesus. You know, and another thing that their website states is, no, I guess, asks, people see a club and think gang. Does your club act territorial or confrontational with other clubs? Do your members display profanity vulgarity, or anti-social messages on their cuts, bikes, and websites. Now, you know whoever fucking wrote that shit is a goddamn fucking rub. I can tell you right, just the way it's worded you to tell that dude's a rub. I think it's Pedro or Padro or whatever the fuck his name is. Does your membership openly display carry weapons in public? Does your club or members frequent places where the outlaws go or hang out? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Can we get any more fucking pathetic disorganization? So, you know, oh my God. Have I answered that damn question yet anyway that was sent in to me? You're wondering why we don't want Leos around us? Just some of the stuff that you heard can tell you why we don't want them around us. You got to understand, man. Okay, yeah, they got a job to do. And everybody has to work. But here's the problem with fucking Leos. They took an oath, and they always got to keep that oath, and they're never going to break that oath. Well, of course, you slip them some good money, they might. You know, I've seen that in Chicago. You give a cop, you know, maybe 500, a G note, them motherfuckers look the other way. But most cops are going to freaking take the side of their buddies in blue before they ever will you. So it's going to be hard for us to get along when your guys are being taught in the academy the shit that I've just read. Or they go around posting shit like on this alliance of law-abiding clubs the way they do. And you expect us to get along with them? There ain't no fucking way we'll ever be able to get along with them. Because they're never going to change their tune. 
and they'll always be out there saying outlaw bikers or members of one percenter clubs are nothing but criminals and anybody that follows them are you know like they stated with the support clubs that they could be doing criminal activity blah 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 well you know this is a bullshit lie and it's a proper fucking ganda you know i hate to get like that with the swearing and shit but come on man this is some rub bullshit lie propaganda shit man and you wonder why we can't get along and just ride. Because it's never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen. Well, you know, it might happen with people like Lebeski and Legacy MC and all these other fucking clubs that are joining this kind of organization. And again, it's just because they're looking for protection. They need the cops. But they want to go out there, run around, acting like an asshole, or causing all kinds of shit within the motorcycle community because they can, because they got you backing them. And who's the fucking dork now? Who's the chump that is actually being taken care of, you know, taken advantage of, if you will? So, anyway, I just spent 45 minutes plus another freaking almost 22 minutes on this subject. And if I didn't answer that question with all that I laid down, dude... I don't know what to tell you. So, with that, <laughs> you need to go to a different channel, man. Maybe you need to go over to Ryan Erlacher's shit and listen to his bullshit. Because, you know, after all, he is representing the 99 percenters of all bikers and motorcycle clubs. <laughs> motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Bachkari. Now, two days a week. Tuesdays and Saturdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Listen and download all episodes for free on HarleyBikerNews.com. Or the show is available on all major podcasting platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Hey there, this is Hollywood from the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to keep up with all my projects? Then head on over to my Twitter account, at Glow Hollywood. And don't forget to listen to Motorcycle Madhouse every Tuesday and Saturday on all iTunes, iHeartRadio, and all major podcasting platforms. Welcome back. I figured I'd get some news here for y'all. Especially this one story. You gotta give me a break out there, kinfolk. Really, you really do, man. Maybe Aaron Davis, you might want to check your guys. You know, this out of Polk County. Police. Men arrested for attempted murder after shooting at a family in road raid incident. Polk County, Florida. A man suspected of firing at an SUV carrying a family of four in Auburndale is facing attempted murder charges, police said. Aaron Chad Dalouin, or however the hell you spell his fucking last name, 25, a Slidendale, Louisiana, was arrested on four counts of attempted felony murder and one count of shooting into an occupied vehicle, a police report states. At about 1.20 p.m., police said a family of four, including two nine-year-old children, was traveling in an SUV alongside a group of motorcyclists in the area of U.S. Highway 92 near Habendale Boulevard. The SUV was turning to the right onto another street and attempted to merge into an outside lane among the motorcycles but couldn't move over. Dulaney, or whoever you, how you spell his last name, who was in a Dodge Charger traveling with the group of motorcyclists, was apparently miffed by the lane change attempt, police said, and decided to fire two bullets into the rear lift gate at the SUV. Dude wasn't even in a freaking on a motorcycle, and he's firing fucking bullets at a car with two year with two nine year old kids in it. Real fucking good there, man. The bullets traveled through the passenger compartment on the vehicle, but none of the passengers were struck, thank God. When the family drove to the police department to report the incident, 
Another witness followed Delaney's car down Highway 92 and managed to get his license plate number and a good description of the vehicle, as well as a description of the pistol that was reportedly used, according to police. Polk County Sheriff detectives located the vehicle in the area of US 92 and Fish Hatchery Road. They conducted a traffic stop near Combi Road in Lakeland and Delaney was taken into custody. Investigators also recovered a 380 semi-automatic pistol, a shotgun, ammunition, and a spent shell casing from inside the vehicle. And they have no further details. And according to IOTC, it looks like uh, this dude's a prospect for the kinfolk out of Mississippi. So, again, Aaron, you might want to get a handle on your fucking guys, man. You'd really think that kinfolk has enough fucking issues right now that they have to go out acting like a bunch of fucking idiots and shoot at nine-year-old fucking kids? Really? What kind of shit is that, man? Damn. And people wonder why all these clubs are getting the freaking name they really are in the fucking news. You know, Jesus Christ, shooting freaking at nine-year-old kids? Come on, man. What the fuck? Anyway, lastly, former pagan charged with witness tampering in the Kaufman murder case. Now, this one is fucked up. Now, you can get charged with uh, witness tampering if you're making posts on Facebook as well as cyberbullying. An Egg Harbor Township man is in charge with witness tampering and cyberbullying after Facebook posts targeting a former co-defendant in the James Kaufman drug ring case. John, who also goes by the Egyptian 56, has regularly posted on Facebook statuses about the case, which includes the 2012 killing of veterans advocate April Kaufman. The 56-year-old, again known as the Egyptian, is apparently a retired member of the Pagan's Motorcycle Club, which was prominently named in the alleged drug ring that Kaufman was accused of heading with another Pagan. Ferdinand Freddy Angelo, six others were charged with racketeering in the case. Recently, the Egyptian posted a picture of a naked woman facing away from the camera that he insinuated was Angelo's ex-wife, Beverly, who recently pleaded guilty in the case and has agreed to testify against her former husband and business partner. Like in the beginning of this Madhouse episode, do not tell your ladies anything. They will turn on you in a freaking drop of a dime. That's what they do. Quote, Guess which lion rat this is, he wrote. Hint. This blank while out on bail for murder, conspiracy, and drug racketeering case, and after she agreed to snitch on her ex-husband, got arrested in April for cocaine, but through the help of her handlers at ACPO and FBI, no mention in the local news. In and out of confinement, nice and quiet. Even the one-sided judge had no issue with her bail. Street justice at its best. The complaint does not name... Beverly Angelo, but does describe the photo. The Egyptian is now charged with first-degree witness tampering, cyber harassment, posting obscene material, and invasion of privacy, disclosed sex act without consent, according to court records. The posts are still publicly visible on his Facebook page. So if it was cyberbullying, why the hell didn't Facebook take it down? I'm I'm just wondering here, you know, if it is, you know, (laughs) obscene material may seem to be taking everybody's pages down these days you would think they would take a post like that down i smell something fucking fishy here the egyptians earlier posts have focused on andrew glick an admitted informant in the case and former pagan a status made just before his arrest reposted a witness list that he labeled Rat Ross. He makes sure to add that while Paul Pagano, the only other defendant not to plead, is wrongly listed as a witness for the defense, Pagano is headed to trial in the case. The list is posted for the sole purposes, for your protection and safety only, he writes. The Egyptian remains in the Atlantic County Justice Facility, and the detention hearing is scheduled for Wednesday. Hey, Egyptian, man, if you can get one of the boys to get me that list out, man, I'll make sure I publish it. You know, since I am with the media and shit, they can't go after me. This is news, man, so hand that shit over to me, and I will blast it worldwide for you, man. Because there's nothing worse than a rat that was uh, once a so-called brother. 
But uh, that's the news, everybody. I appreciate you guys listening to Madhouse episode 49. And uh, we're going to have a pretty good special one for the 50th episode coming up this Saturday. But everybody coming home from Milwaukee, you guys be safe out there. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you guys have any uh, suggestions for a topic, shoot it to me. Don't forget, the new age of biking and brotherhood is now out on Amazon as well as Kindle and all other ebook uh, versions. You know, EPUB and Mobile, all that good stuff. But with that, I'm James Hollywood Machikari, and I'll see you next episode. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and check me out over on Biker Angle. Also, get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari, and remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open. Holiday tips and wine stories from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. The custom of bumping glasses with a cheers greeting came from old Rome. When in Rome, cheers. Satisfy Auntie Alice's sweet tooth with a pairing of port and bourbon pecan pie. And just maybe, you won't get another ugly sweater this year. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can now find a perfect wine in your budget. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine and More. Cheers. Calling all podcasters, musicians, vloggers, and reporters, and everyone else who wants crystal clear recording that's super portable. The Sure Motive family of microphones makes studio quality audio that's as simple as plug and play. Many of the world's top podcasters rely on Sure, and with a Motive line of iOS and USB microphones, portability is now your friend. Imagine being able to get great audio quickly and easily from your phone, tablet, or computer. Simply visit Sure.com/Motive to start getting great audio for your content now. That's S-H-U-R-E.com/Motive.